The Start On Demand. On demand. Many Winnipeggers woke up happy on Friday because the Blue Bombers defeated the BC Lions 32-16 on Thursday night at IG Field, but they may have suffered a big loss. Matt Nichols going down to injury. You'll hear some of the highlights and question marks after Thursday's game. Do you have good manners? We learned today that Greg Macklin even says please and thank you to Siri. And Canada's only traveling pop-up restaurant is coming to Winnipeg, and one of the participating chefs is from Exchange District Hotspot, Clementine. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and uh, vacationing Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Friday, August 16th podcast for The Start. Our, our printers, can they, they crash like twice a week when we go to, it's like they when they go to sleep for a few hours, they can't wake back up. And I, I can relate to that because I don't want to wake up in the morning. It's a document center, Brett. Yes. It's not a printer. Oh, yes, it's a document right. center. And so we've got a printer in our newsroom. We've got a printer down the hall. Neither of them are working. So I had to find one that works so I could print off a lineup for our pal Jeff Fortier and Master Control so he knows who to phone. When it's time to pick up the phone. I, <laughs> not for that. <laughs> Service of a different kind. Um, this is uh, unbelievable because we have as probably, what, about $100,000 worth of printing machines in this building. Yeah. And uh, it's difficult to find one that works Yeah, so on a regular basis. Anyway, we are here. We made it. And uh, a lot of you waking up with smiles on your face this morning because the Winnipeg Blue Bombers beat the BC Lions last night. It was a, a team effort at halftime. It was really, that was 12-6 Bombers. But the Blue Bombers had been pretty dominant offensively. And then it took uh, extraordinary uh, defensive and special teams effort to really get things over the line for the Blue Bombers. But things are not all glorious in Blue Bomberland as Matt Nichols left the game in the fourth quarter last night oh boy. with what appeared to be a shoulder injury. We won't have any details on that. At least we don't think we will today and maybe a few days before we get any t- details from the football club. Oh boy. Okay. Well, that's that's... Tough to hear, but indeed great news that the Bombers are victorious. And whenever the the, the song that popped into my head when I saw the final score, uh, I, I, and I want to change the the song because it's the song no, Notorious by either Duran Duran, yes. the original version, or you can go with the revamped version by the Notorious B.I.G. Because oh. they used the, the, the line, Notorious. They sampled that, did they? They did. It's a great, both of them are great tunes. Well, I think Jeff Forche has an assignment <laughs> over the next couple of minutes is to find one, the other, or both yeah. of those songs. Because I know the Duran Duran song being the... Duran Duran fan that I am, yeah. uh, but I, the Notorious B.I.G., I'd have to hear it. I probably heard it and didn't realize that maybe that's what they were sampling. The challenge, of course, with that particular tune, though, would be finding a version that is suitable for air, <laughs> shall we say. Fair enough. Because it is a tapestry of obscenity. As many hip hop songs are, so never saw the uh, radio waves. Is that a on album CD or cassette only situation? I well, if it ever saw radio waves, it would be one of those songs where it's just. We've talked about this before, where you get like the odd random lyric, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, and everything else is not for NSFW. Is that the acronym? Not safe for work. Yes. <laughs> if you say so. That's a new one for me. What did you say? N? N-S-F-W. Not safe for work. Boy, I should probably read more of those human resource notes that they send out around here because I'm not familiar with that uh, acronym. Or is it, N- oh, hang on. Uh, pardon me. Uh, it's not, no, I had it wrong. It's not N-S-W-F. It's not so work-friendly. No, not so work-friendly. Okay. What did I say? Not S-N-S-W-F. Not safe for work was what you went with N-S-F-W. So it's N-W. Okay, so N-S-F-W is not safe for work. Yes. And N-S-W-F 
is not so work friendly. So either of them work. Okay, I like it. Just wanted to make sure I didn't get it wrong because I was thinking of the the very first episode of Modern Family where Phil, who's the dorky dad, the very first ever episode. Yeah, and he was talking about how he's the cool dad and he's down with all the lingo. He say I can't remember what he said. Uh, uh, oh shoot, was it L O L? And what is L- LOL is actually lots of laughs, or is it laugh out loud? I laugh out loud as far as I know. And I think he said lots of laughs. Okay. So he <laughs> thought he knew what he was talking about, and he was so confident in it, but he had no idea. So he, he proved in saying that, that he's not the cool dad at all. That's like the text message that uh, gained uh, prowess on social media of the mom uh, telling her daughter that her grandmother had passed away, LOL. Thinking that LOL stood for lots of love. Oh, oh God. <laughs> could be an urban legend, could have been created, but uh, I believe it to be true, Brett McGarry. Well, we're going to have a recap and a highlight package of the Bomber game last night coming up at 6.37. We have NFL tickets to give away at 7.15. We have our final pair of tickets for the Tenors, our final pair of Beat the Box Office tickets for the Tenors, the Wonder of Christmas Tour coming to Club Region Event Center December 12th. It's our final pair of Beat the Box Office tickets because you can buy them at the box office as of 10 this morning through Ticketmaster.ca, CasinosOfWinnipeg.com. And then after 9 o'clock, we are going to announce who won the Assiniboine Park Zoo All My Relations Guided Tour for four. We've been qualifying people all week long. We've got four qualifiers, and we're going to find the winner later this morning here on 680 CJOB. Do you come face-to-face with any primates on that tour? I don't know, man. I mean, it just it sounds like a, it sounds like a super fun, super immersive experience. And I'll just pull up the description here. You will discover Canadian wildlife from the prairies, boreal forest, and northern tundra, with a focus on Manitoba wildlife and indigenous perspectives and teachings. And you can discover how all nature is interconnected and learn how we can be better stewards of the land. So it sounds like a great day. For the family, uh, because you're not just going to the zoo to look at random things. You've got someone guiding you along in a special way, in a unique way that you otherwise wouldn't have access to. So one of our four qualifiers for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday will get a phone call from us later on today, letting you know that you've won that very unique experience. Couch Potatoes assembled at 737 to tell you what's coming up in the in this week in the movies. I was going to say what's coming up in the news. It's what's new at the movies. There we go. But in the news, of course, is Jody Wilson-Raybould and Justin Trudeau. Oh. So this is the Duran Duran version. Turn it up a little bit for it, Dave. Yeah, I looked up uh, the B.I.G. version, and uh, I looked at the lyrics. And... <laughs> yeah, you can probably only get away with playing the first 20 seconds. and uh, I'm not. Yeah, e- I don't even know about that. Yeah, I'll have to double-check that. That'll be our, our homework for this morning, is find 20 seconds of arable music from that song. But in the, the meantime... The challenge is on. In the meantime, some Duran Duran to kick off your Friday morning with Mackling and McGarry on the start. Okay, so why am I singing victorious? The Winnipeg Blue Bombers took advantage of home field advantage for the eighth straight game as they moved to 7-2 and two with a 32-16 win over the now 1-8 BC Lions. We call these the sounds of the game. Nichols calls for the ball, looks into the end zone, fires in there, Dembski, touchdown, Blue Bombers. And the Bombers are off and running. And Nichols is going long to Chris Matthews. Got the 30. He's got it. Down to the 20-yard line. There you go. The fans have been looking for more of those, and that was a beauty. Right from the middle of the field, the ball down, the kick up. Certainly long enough, and it's good. So the Lions are on the board. Then he'll just throw it away, but it's intercepted. It was deflected and intercepted, and Strebler makes the tackle. So now I'm going to sit here and uh, look back and second-guess what they're doing here. What the hell? He delays and then runs into the end zone. A left-side run. He kind of paused for a minute and then found a hole and shot right through it for a BC touchdown that ties the game at 12. 
Strebler puts it down. The kick is up, and it looks like it's good, and it is. The Bombers back in front. He drops back the pass. Fires intercepted by Willie Jefferson. He's to the 45, the 40. Riley brings him down at the 29-yard line. Big number five comes up with a big, big play. He's going to sneak it in here. You can count on that. He'll take the snap and go in on the right side for the touchdown. Here's the punt. And it's blocked by Marcus Sales, and he's got a touchdown. Kick is in the air. It's long enough, and it is good. Here's Riley back to pass. Pressure, and he is hit and fumbles. Big Hill hit him. He fumbled, and the Bombers have recovered. Talk about a few moments that just turned the tide of this game and break it wide open. It was a collective effort from all three aspects of the game as the defense and special teams really stepped up to prop up an offense which moved the ball well but had struggles in the red zone in the first half in particular. We all talk about the Andrew Harris factor. The Winnipeg-born Harris is always a factor in the game, either by the way he is used or not used or how effective he is. Well, last night, number 33 for the Blue and Gold claimed his rightful place in CFL history. Just announced that Andrew Harris has become the all-time leader in yards from scrimmage for Canadian players. We move past Ben Cahoon here tonight. Players over congratulating him. And he got a standing ovation as well he should. I think the man of the hour, it's fair to say, Andrew Harris, who tonight became the all-time leader among Canadian players for scrimmage yards. Andrew, we talked about this a couple of days ago, and you uh, said it would be a, you know, a great honor to achieve it. Tell us what it felt like. Honestly, I uh, wasn't expecting to get emotional, but, um, I mean, seeing that video and everyone coming over, I just got a wave of, uh, you know, just a lot of years of hard work and, and dedication and, and again, you know, a lot of great coaches, a lot of great players, and um, you know, I was. It's a, it's been a, it's been a journey, and one that I never thought I'd, I'd ever be, you know, here in the situation, you know, when I started off playing junior and, and just trying to get opportunity on special teams. So. Now, Brett, I know you tweeted out the video of that standing ovation and Harris's appreciation of it. You could see him getting emotional there. I also tweeted out or retweeted the Blue Bombers video from that. And just my sentiments here real quick. One of the best moves in the history of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers was to bring home a talented, committed, and proud Winnipegger like Andrew Harris and a message to Harris from me and people of my generation and before and after who dreamed of playing for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Andrew Harris, you are living the dream of thousands of us who grew up obsessed with the idea of doing what you do and what you are doing in that jersey. So, Andrew Harris, congratulations on this accomplishment and everything you've done so far in your career. Now, that was the overwhelming good of last night's game. The bad and the ugly reared its head on one play in the fourth quarter. Nichols fakes to Harris. Scrambles, and he fumbles. He's hit by Sean Lemon, and the BC Lions have recovered at the Bomber 25-yard line. So here we go with turnovers again, making a dramatic change, and Nichols has hurt his right arm on that play too. Just in the pocket, too long. Not pulling the trigger on anything, and what a change of events and momentum. It looks to me like Nichols might be heading to the Bomber locker room. He's hurt his right arm, right shoulder. This does not look good for him. Matt Nichols, can you tell us anything, Mike? No, I can't. I haven't even been in there to to talk to anybody. So uh, he's a tough guy. Imagine he's imagine he's going to be fine. Certainly didn't look like he was going to be fine the way he left the field. Yeah. Holding his right arm down at his side. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. You always sort of take the best approach to these things. Um, if, and we'll, and then we'll move on, if Chris Trevler has to take the controls, how do you think he'll fare? I think he'll be excellent. That's a big if. I don't really deal in ifs. We'll, 
we'll cross that bridge when we when we come to it. But full confidence in Chris Trevor. Obviously, he's won game. He's won some games for us. That is head coach Michael Shea, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and Bob Irving, who celebrated a birthday. By the way, happy belated, Bob. The debate over Matt Nichols and his passing prowess has become a hot topic of conversation over the past several weeks. Some Blue Bomber fans are going to get exactly what they wanted. More Chris Strevler. We are huge fans of Strevler on this program, Brett. The mighty Thor. Indeed, Strevler, the quarterback, is about to get the chance to prove his worth to fans and teammates alike. What is that what they say about being careful what you wish for? You just might get it. There will be plenty of speculation about the health of Matt Nichols over the next several days as the Bombers get ready for a visit to Edmonton a week tonight. Greg Mackling, yesterday you revealed to me that you use please and thank you in a rather <laughs> unique setting. I'm Canadian, I guess. My mama ra- raised me right to use my please and thank yous, uh, but I don't know if she had it in mind when using digital technology. <laughs> I consistently say no thank you or yes please when answering Surrey when she wants to... <laughs> Ask me whether or not I want to respond to a text message when I'm in a hands-free mode or or similar circumstance. So I thought it was kind of weird. I caught myself doing it yesterday. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I I do the same thing. Do with, you? Oh, with, uh, you? Not with Siri, but with Google. Okay, good. <laughs> Same here. Google, could you please tell me what you the score? do? <laughs> Fantastic. All wow. Right. So is that a sign then that you guys have excellent manners, or that your manners are are on? Autopilot. Great question. Uh, it's also a sign of something deeper and more disturbing about how you feel that this mechanical thing is an actual <laughs> sentient no. being. Because honestly, when I when uh, Siri screws something up or doesn't come through, and I get frustrated and yell at my phone. We don't have a seven-second delay. You feel bad? I feel guilty about it. And I was like, why do I feel guilty about it? This is the same as yelling at a fork or a plate. There there is an episode. You do that too, though. There's an episode of Black Mirror. That's the Netflix show that uh, sort of tells... Alternate stories uh, based on technology, and in one of them, the the uh, the digital helper was in fact a cloned copy of a human <sighs> mind. So it was a sentient being Six. living in this person's phone, and it was just essentially uh, a permanent hell. That and they, like they had no escape, and all they could do was was answer this person's question. And like that movie Her, where Joaquin Phoenix falls in yeah. love with oh, the yeah, operating that. system yeah. that's voiced by Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. I, I can't speak for GMAC, but from my own perspective, uh, it's just, it's force of habit. It's something that was yeah. drilled into me by my parents, and we have certainly followed that up with our kids and our grandchildren. They're the same thing with Google. Hey, Google, can you please uh, give me a phone <laughs> call to Santa Claus? Very <laughs> nice. I like yeah. that. Thank is you, is that just a Canadian thing, though? I don't think it's just Canadian. I don't think so. I don't think it's just Canadian, but I think it is hyper Canadian. Like it it is very exemplary of the way we conduct ourselves, even at the Home Depot when the digital voice reminds me to take my bag. I just yes, dear. But that's more of an autopilot for other female requests and and commands. But even if the if the manners are on autopilot, it's still better than the alternative than being rude because I, I can't stand if I'm in line at whatever, the gas station, grocery store, and you see people just kind of mindlessly not even acknowledging the person who is serving them. Like I, I always try to say please and thank you and I, and, and mean it. And I, I particularly have to do it because I know I have the resting Brett face and I know I look grumpy and it's something that I've always <laughs> dealt with. So I try to at least make it clear through my language that I am thankful for the exchange that we've just had. And not to mention the fact that if you just say, hey, thank you, that that is enough to... Potentially brighten someone's day who's had a long, grumpy day. No, I think you can learn a lot about someone based on how they interact with service staff and and other people who you don't know and encounter throughout the day. Yeah, I I always make a point, whether it's at a restaurant or whether I'm in the grocery lineup, I always make a point to ask them, how's your day going? You know, how much of your, you're just starting your shift or you're just ending your shift, Uh, you know, just... I don't know. It's just part of the DNA, I guess. But I really enjoy that part of it. 
What about a crowd of people when you're trying to get through? And I'm always like, excuse me, sorry, sorry, excuse me, sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, at a nightclub in Canada, this is, I think, a Canadian thing. That's the only place where you apologize when someone bumps into you. In the United States, you just get potentially a gunfight breaks on Exactly. <laughs> but what about, uh, I mentioned to you as well, I was at the passport office the other day, and the lady behind me sneezed. And so, of course, I... You said, bless you. I said, bless you. And she kind of giggled and said, well, you don't get that in public very often. I said, really? I I try to do it all the time. So do you bless people when they sneeze, people that you don't know, Jeff? If if it's like just me and them alone in the same aisle at the grocery store, then I would. Yeah, for sure. If there's like 30 people around, I would. Is that before or after you bring out your can of Lysol to spray everything in the atmosphere? (laughs) Just follow them around the grocery stores, continually spraying them with stuff. We return our attention now to London, Ontario. Officials in that southern Ontario city say about 8 to 10 homes were severely damaged after a woman, we have to say allegedly, the the visual evidence is overwhelming, drove a vehicle into a house, subsequently striking a gas line, which caused a large explosion in the city's old East Village neighborhood. This happened Wednesday night. A 23-year-old woman is facing impaired driving charges in the wake of that explosion. Global's Shalima Maharaj was on the scene. Eight to ten homes severely damaged, one entirely decimated. From this vantage point, you can see just a glimpse of some of the debris that's been left behind. This is what investigators are going to have to sift through. You can see the glass that's been blown out of some of the window frames. They're also dealing with issues of structural instability. Shalima could see that because she was on the scene. You can go to globalnews.ca and see the devastating damage. My question, Brett McGarry, who pays for all this? How do you make sure the aftermath of somebody else's horrible decision doesn't cost you everything you own or at the very least the ability to rebuild your home and replace what you can? To answer those and other questions, we welcome Peter Georges, Director, Consumer and Industry Relations with the Insurance Bureau of Canada. Good morning, Pete. Good morning. How are you doing today? Doing great, thanks yourself. We are. We're doing great here in Winnipeg. Thanks for taking some time. Have you seen the footage and and the devastation from from this accident? I'll put in quotation marks in in London. Well, I, I have. I have indeed, and it's very unfortunate. And the uh, the devastation is is very shocking, especially considering it was uh, a vehicle that uh, drove onto a property and, and hit the gas line and resulted uh, in all that. Yeah, we have pu- uh, we have public uh, insurance for vehicles here, but just in a broad sense, who who will pay for this damage? Well, in a case like this, it's it's best first to look to your own property insurance. So if you're a homeowner, it's good to have insurance, whether you are a tenant in rent or a homeowner and it's your home. Most basic insurance policies will cover you in cases of vehicle collision, in cases of explosion. So it's good to know that there are policies that will respond. You just have to make sure you have one. So in the situation that we're looking at here, all those homeowners who have been put out of their homes, who have repairs to do to, to get their homes back into shape, uh, they need to contact their insurance companies and get that claim process starting on their home insurance. So at the end of the day, we can go and talk about the onus that falls upon the auto insurance policy for that driver who is responsible for causing that damage. And that's the key point that is likely going to lead to some challenges uh, moving forward. Well, tell us a little bit about that because I can only imagine that because let's presume some uh, guilt here if this individual is proven to have been drinking while driving. Will their insurance be null and void, and and does that cause a cascading uh, disaster uh, for who's liable here? Well, great point and a great question, and obviously it's important for anyone who drives to follow the rules, follow the laws. And because of this situation, ultimately, if the courts determine that this person was in fact drunk behind the wheel, that will have implications on their auto insurance policy. In Ontario, what happens is a conviction uh, registered against the driver for operating a vehicle in a fashion that contravenes the policy. So they did something when they're breaking the law, such as 
operating the vehicle while drunk would mean that their liability insurance coverage would drop to the minimum limits, which in Ontario is 200000 So as you can see, that's not a lot of money. And so the frustration there that may exist for homeowners and, and homeowners insurance companies is you have a responsible party ultimately at the end of the day, once this gets through the courts, um, may determine that that driver was ultimately responsible for all the damage to those properties, to those homes. Because you, you also have to look at the, the chain of events. So the car hit the house severed the gas line, which resulted in a fire. So if it wasn't for the fact that the car hit the house, you wouldn't have an explosion. So that action is what caused the reaction. And to get any compensation then from those home insurance policies back from that automobile owner or driver, um, you need to sue them. And so if they only have minimum $200,000 coverage explosion and the damage is in the millions of dollars, there's obviously not enough money to go around to compensate those insurance companies. But the good news is for anyone who has a home insurance policy, again, the home insurance policy would cover the repairs. So it gets to be a little tricky at the back end, but at the front end, the simple answer is make sure you have home insurance or tenant's insurance to protect yourself in case something like this happens to you. So then, the, so that that's then to to sum it up, the the, the insurance policies would in fact cover the damage, uh, regardless of the, the what's going on in court. Exactly, exactly. The fact is, the, the car hit the house. How, there was an explosion. Um, explosion, uh, vehicle damage uh, to a house is covered under most uh, basic uh, model policies. Uh, some policies, yeah, again, if you do have an insurance policy, just sit down with your insurance representative and go through all these types of scenarios and say, am I covered if this happens? Uh, it's something that does happen occasionally, and, and we see it. I'm in Toronto, and we see it in the news regularly where cars, we had a situation where, where a transit bus struck a couple of homes in the east end of the city not that long ago. So situations like that, the home insurance policy uh, would pay to repair that person's property. We only have like 10 seconds here. If I live at the end of a street, am I more likely, I guess I, I am, I think the answer is obvious here, to be struck and, and to have my fence or, or my, my home hit than I am anywhere else on the block? Well, you know, I don't know. It really depends on many factors, speed, uh, the road configuration. But suffice it to say is that it could happen anywhere. And so that's why it's important to have insurance to protect you from those uh, situations that could arise. And um, this was one that obviously, fortunately, isn't tragic in a sense, although there was one firefighter that I saw in the news that's still in hospital as a result of the explosion. Um, but it probably could have been worse, uh, aside from the fact that there are many homes and, and families who have their lives now disrupted because of this uh, incident. Pete Kara George is Director of Consumer and Industry Relations with the Insurance Bureau of Canada. Thank you very much. We appreciate the time, sir. Thank you. My pleasure. We want to start with remembering Tina Fontaine. Yeah, you know, we'd love to have fun on Friday, but we need to shift gears here. Five years tomorrow, Tina Fontaine was murdered in Winnipeg. Days after Fontaine's body was found, more than 1,000 people took to the streets to express their outrage. The teen's death not only reignited calls for a national inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women, but it put the spotlight back on child and family services. CFS had placed the teen in a downtown hotel when she disappeared, which was commonplace back then, but... That's a practice that has since come to an end. The shock of her death and the then anger prompting action through her death, Fontaine has been a catalyst for change in many ways. The Bear Clan was born out of Fontaine's murder. What was once just a dozen members has turned into an army of more than 1,000 volunteers with chapters in more than a dozen different Canadian cities. Drag the Red was formed following Fontaine's murder and every summer volunteers return in hopes of bringing another missing loved one home. Diane Redsky is executive director at Mamaway Chi Etata Center here in Winnipeg. And Diane, I hope I, I did the name justice. I did the best I could. I'm sure you say it very eloquently. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning. 
Yes, it's the Mamawichita Center, and many people refer to it as Mamaway. Yeah, Mamaway do such incredible work, as do you, Diane. Uh, Diane led the National Task Force on Sex Trafficking of Women and Girls in Canada in 2017. She was awarded the Senate of Canada Medal and Joy Smith Foundation Visionary Leadership Award for her work to end sex trafficking. What comes to mind for you when you think of Tina Fontaine, Diane? Oh, sorry, I just got emotional there for a second. Um, The first thing that comes to me is thinking about her family. And I think I'd like to ask everyone today to and tomorrow to take a moment to think about uh, Tina Fontaine and her family. It was a real loss, particularly for her family. uh, And they lost a great deal and a young, vibrant um, Indigenous woman. And so just that's my first go-to place is to uh, I think about her family and and what they will be going through both um, today and tomorrow and the strength and the prayers that they're going to need to to get through that to get through that day. When I think as a as a service delivery provider um, and an advocate to end all forms of sexual exploitation in our city, we have a long way to go. While we've made some changes in some areas, we have. We haven't made important changes in other areas. So girls continue to be at risk and perpetrators are still getting away with victimizing girls. Has, it, has anything changed when it comes to uh, for, for, for vulnerable children in care since Tina's death? Yeah, and some of those, some of those really important changes that have been made, we now have Nadinaway 24-7 for youth. So there's, in fact, that is uh, in honor of Tina Fontaine, with Tina Fontaine's family's blessing uh, for that center. and But that's one. And we know that there needs to be more 24-7 for young people to have a safe place to go at nighttime. And um, there just isn't a lot, of, uh, a lot of safe places for them to go. The Winnipeg Outreach Network is a community uh, response that works with community organizations that are doing outreach, frontline outreach, street outreach, and uh, they work with police and they work with child welfare. And so that network exists and they are, many of those organizations don't have stable funding to do the outreach services. So, you know, this is where I said on one hand it's good and then on the other hand there needs to be more work done. And these are just some examples of where we need to um, invest more time and resources to be able to fund these organizations accordingly. Diane, often we have a an issue in our community, I think of the meth crisis in particular. Uh, we have some idea of what it's going to take to turn things around, but uh, in a lot of senses, we, we don't really know what the answers are. As I listen to you speak, you have a genuine sense of, of what's needed, uh, and it, it puzzles me and bothers me to imagine that we have a list of, of needs that are not being met. And I would agree with you that we do have a long way to go, and there is no shortage of advocates that are working at all levels uh, within the system. And one of the things that we do have and we could have a lot more control with is that if we address the demand, there are no shortage of perpetrators that are out there on the streets looking to victimize young girls. And that is a real, like, and there's not just a couple, there are, there are lots there. In fact, there are so many that even the Winnipeg Outreach Network and a lot of the frontline outreach services uh, work with police. So it's not for a lack of trying. It is that there's so many. And there's, there, that's one example of, of you know, a solution-based, like if, once, if you could address the demand, that's kind of going upstream so that we're not creating a generation of young girls who are being victimized because they were walking home from school and that there needs to be resources to, um, to criminalize these people and also to um, create a public education and awareness that, you know, that, that the buying sex is, is uh, you know, one of our campaigns is buying sex is not a sport and the, 
it's a huge education, public education awareness campaign that uh, we need to reinvest in to educate and, and hopefully see if we can reduce the number of perpetrators that are out there who are intending to victimize young girls. Diane Redsky is Executive Director at Mama Way here in Winnipeg. Diane, thank you for your work on whole and thank you for your time this morning. You're welcome. Greg, this morning we pulled up at the same time in the parking lot, <laughs> yes. and uh, all I could hear was the music blaring, and then you, you left it blaring because you got out of the car, you had to tidy up a little bit, and you just let it go, and I thought, well, I think I know who this is, but I don't know this one. So, Brand tell new, us. Well, you love your torque. I do love torque beer. beer. I love my toque. Uh-huh. The rock and roll band featuring Corey Churko, Shane Glass, uh, Todd Kearns, of course, from Age of Electric, who's I call I consider him an honorary Winnipegger, and of course Winnipegger Brent Fitz, who is a drummer extraordinaire. He's the you know how Uncle Jesse got to play with the Beach Boys yeah. on Full House, yeah. Well, Brent Fitz gets to play with some of the best rock and roll bands in the world, including Slash, who uh, they were just in town just a couple of weeks ago here in Winnipeg. They have a project. It's called Took, and they're a band, and they've been doing for the last several years covers of your favorite. Canadian songs, and Brent Fitz does not miss a drum beat or a drum roll. Todd Kern sings like anybody he wants to. Well, they've released an original song, and usually when you go to these classic rock concerts, the worst thing that they can say is, we're going to play something from our new album. You yeah. don't want that? Yeah. I'm excited about this. I'm already singing along to it. I was singing it in the newsroom. I apologize in advance for this earworm. I, I just want to share this with you. This is their first original song, Took. It's called Never Enough For You. It's Canadian. It's 80s. Kathy Kennedy, you just came barging in here uh, because you should. What do you think? It's I, I like it a lot. You know, I, I have uh, great fondness for this little ditty. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to find the right words. I love this song. And as you say, Greg, I think you hit it on the head. It is uh, so Canadian. So 80s, which is kind of what Tuke is all about. It is so Canadiana, and, and I think they have something. Todd Kearns, as you know, is my uh, number one man crush on the planet well, right now. May I just say, the last time I had Mr. Kearns here in the studio a couple of weeks ago, he left you his room key under your keyboard. So, you know, I think it's mutual at this point. <laughs> Fortunately, I didn't discover it until I was working. Yes. Otherwise, things could be really different in my life right now. I could be chasing a rock and roll. But anyway, we uh, we digress. Yeah, check out Tuke. Uh, they're First album, Giver, uh, had a ton of Winnipeg music, Streetheart, yes. Harlequin, Pumps. Orphan, uh, yeah, Pumps, Orphan, uh, all your favorite bands uh, from from your youth, if you're of a certain vintage, Canadian music, it does incredible things to your soul, and uh, for them to come out with an original song is something Sorry, else. Greg, I have to interrupt you, I'm so why, sorry. Why, why? This is a great song, what are you doing? Uh, can our phone guest please introduce himself? Hello to our Hi. phone guest. What's your name, First sir? Time caller, long time listening. Oh! My name is <laughs> Todd. Toddly. <laughs> How are you guys? It's Todd. Well, I, I'm going to be dancing for the rest of the day. This, hey, congratulations! <laughs> I love the song. It's fantastic. I'm glad you enjoy it. 
I would uh, tell you if I didn't like it. I would have de- direct messaged you at 5.30 this morning saying, Todd, uh, you know, you might want to give it another try on the original song. Yeah, like that's going to happen. <laughs> but you hit it out of the park, my man. This is fantastic. You're like, come on, hang it up, bro. Move on. Yeah, no, this is a solid hang, to use your vernacular. Uh, when can people uh, see the video and, and get a and get a chance to uh, press flesh with uh, Tuke? When, when are we gonna we're gonna hear more about this? Well, we are going to. We actually have been saving the video. The intention was initially to release it today as well, or last night, or whatever. But uh, because we're coming to Winnipeg and Nashville's, we're going to do that CD release. We thought, well, why don't we just save it and make it a big deal for anybody there? So you get to see the video first if you're at the CD release party and then it'll go live, you know, midnight that night kind of thing or something like that. So, so yeah, it's and that's, just another, uh, another bonus for the folks that are coming to uh, Nashville that night. Tuesday, August 22nd or 27th <laughs> rather. <laughs> Greg is going to be away yeah. in, in California. IA. Uh, but uh, your, your legions of fans will certainly uh, show up in droves, and tickets are still available, although I have to tell you, I checked yesterday, not a whole lot left. Oh, good. Good to hear, yeah. Well, Why is Greg always away when I come to town now? Is this a personal thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I, I'm, just building the, I'm just building the tension, Todd, for, for that eventual day when, when you and I go for dinner together. I'm just, you know, just stretching it. it out. It's like, who's the boss? We're just stretching out the uh, tension between Tony and Angela. It's a real Sam and Diane cheers thing, I know. (laughs) Well, and and believe me, Todd, you have not seen the the tears this man has shed for the fact that, you know, he's not going to be here. Well, and it's ironic because it gets my dad's birthday on August 27th, and it's the anniversary of my mom's passing. So it would have been just the perfect day to to hang with you guys. But uh, congratulations one more time, Todd. And I know it's early where you are. Thanks for uh, taking some time to uh, to call into the show. And uh, now your mom's really proud of you. You've been on CJOB again. <laughs> exactly. Todd, Todd I Kearns. I really appreciate you guys doing that. Bright and early. Thank you so much. We appreciate you calling us. Todd Kearns from Took. And again, the name of the song, Greg? It is never enough Woo-hoo! for you. So we, we want to tell you now about Canada's only traveling pop-up restaurant, which is set to land in Winnipeg in just a few weeks' time. We have in studio with us Chef Chris Gamma from Exchange District Hotspot Clementine, and on the phone we have Dan Clapson, who is the organizer of this series, this event, the Prairie Grid Dining Series. I'll say hello first to Chef Chris. Hello, Chef. Hello. And Dan, hello to you. Hi, that was a great segue, you guys. Got to give it to you. Oh, sweet. We got a gold star, yeah. Greg. I'm trying to learn. <laughs> Greg Greg is a master of segues and tying things together, so you try to learn from your colleagues. Uh, so I'm glad to, glad to know that I'm on the right track. So, Dan, let's start with you. The, mm-hmm. What is the Prairie Grid Dining Series? So we started the Prairie Grid Dinner Series three years ago, and it's just it was it came from an idea of just wanting to celebrate all different aspects of prairie food and creative culture. So I work as a food writer and I travel all across Canada, but I spend a lot of time in the prairies and I feel like cities like Saskatoon and Winnipeg and Calgary and Edmonton are, are definitely overlooked by the national food scene as a whole. So I thought if we kind of take different parts of it and put it all together and take it on the road, it can really, you know, get some attention going in sports and, uh, and get some buzz going. Well, and actually it's a good point you, you raised there that, Places like Winnipeg often get overlooked because whenever you get these lists of the top 100 restaurants in the country, there is maybe one or two from Winnipeg, and the rest and the bulk of them are from places like BC and Ontario. And I think, man, I've been to a lot of good restaurants, including Clementine. How is Winnipeg so underrepresented on these lists? Well, I think that it maybe comes down to, especially when you're looking at those lists, you're looking at um, restaurant experts or food writers. A lot of them don't actually go to Winnipeg or Saskatoon cities like that. So, um, you know, when you're judging or putting forward restaurants for lists like that, you're only submitting what you know, right? So people are not drawn to a certain part of Canada. They're not going to know what's there. Because you're right, Clementine is, I sing its praises all the time. It's a 
phenomenal restaurant. You know, it is brunch, but it's also so much more than that. So that's why we're excited to have Chris be part of the dinner series this year to kind of take him on the road and show everyone uh, what a talent he is. Well, all you need to do is uh, try the maple braised uh, bacon at Clementine, and it really sets the uh, bar very high for everything else, and it meets and surpasses the entire menu. And Chris, uh, just this idea of Clementine and the location and the phenomenon that it's become, uh, do, do you do you get overwhelmed with the recognition? Because uh, it's not just in Winnipeg. You're receiving a lot of recognition from these travel magazines who do come and visit our city. Uh, you you're sort of putting the city on the map in a culinary sense. Yeah, it's been, uh, we've had great fortune. Uh, we have an amazing staff and my two business partners also have like an, an amazing eye for design and detail. Uh, we work really, really hard to make sure everything is looked after from service, design, uh, food quality. We have really high standards. So I, I think that hopefully is what kind of translates and why we get the recognition because uh, we do definitely put the work in and the time in. So the Canada's Only Traveling Pop-Up Restaurant, the Prairie Grid Dinner Series, it runs September 19th to the 26th, Calgary, Edmonton, Saskatoon, Winnipeg. The Winnipeg date is September 26th at 90 Annabella. That's the historic J.R. Watkins Company building. It's a five-course tasting menu, and the theme this year, Dan, is innovation. So what is it that you're looking to explore by highlighting innovation? So we, every year we have a theme, and yeah, this year right, we're focusing on innovation. So lately touching on the idea of technology and how that factors into uh, both culinary and agricultural production. So with the menu, for example, we're sort of trying to showcase the evolution of culinary technique over the past century. So the dinner might start with something like uh, sourdough loaves and hand-turned butter, where the loaves are made with stone ground flour cooked in wood-fired ovens, which is, you know, a very old-school way of preparing something, and then evolve throughout the five courses to a dessert that is not quite molecular in its composition, but definitely more modern. So using things like uh, a sous vide machine to prepare a component of a dessert. And so you're going to kind of, again, it's going to evolve. I think it's going to be really cool for the diner to learn a little bit about when techniques kind of came into the culinary industry uh, in the past hundred years and then also enjoy some good food. Now, for those that are unfamiliar, I just looked it up. The J.R. Watkins Company Factory and Warehouse, 90 Annabella Street. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine stories tall, right in the middle of Point Douglas. So it's like a skyscraper in the middle of Point Douglas. And I've noticed lights on in there on the top two or three floors on my way into work the last few days. And I've always wanted, quite frankly, to live in that building because the views from up there, I can only imagine, are spectacular. Chris, have you been inside the venue yet? Yeah, I was there uh, two weeks ago. It's beautiful. They've done an amazing job restoring it. The event will be on the second floor, so there's gorgeous windows, a really cool view. They have a beautiful courtyard green space, which is kind of neat because it's a beautiful green space in the middle of an an industrial area. Uh, There's some offices uh, and and workshops above the second floor. That's beautiful. It's going to be really tremendous. So what what is your component, your involvement in this going to be, Chris? Uh, Food-wise? Yeah. Well, we are going to start the menu development process, and it's going to be more of a collaboration. So I think we're going to get all the chefs together, start an email thread, and truly collaborate on the entire menu. So it's not just, you know, uh, one chef, one chef, one chef. It's actually all five of us contributing, coming up with a menu, and uh, having input. Dan, this whole idea of collaboration, we've been discussing uh, this idea on our program for a couple of years now, and and Mm -hmm. the change, uh, not just uh, amongst restaurateurs, but but I think entrepreneurs in general and communities that you might otherwise see as rivals working together to put on things and events like this. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think the way that we involve chefs, we also involve creatives. So, you know, fa- fashion designers, visual artists. We're working with uh, Winnipeg Synonym Art Consultation as well this year. And, uh, I, you know, when people, especially with chefs, chefs are busy. They don't get a lot of time to travel to other cities. So one benefit of Prairie Grid is that they actually travel together and starting in Calgary and move along and see each other's cities and see each other's restaurants and get to experience that. And I feel like that is almost just as valuable as a dinner itself for the professionals involved because they, you know, form relationships and they can kind of lean on each other and they get a better appreciation for what's going on in the prairies as a whole. 
Chris, do you ever get customers come in and, and make requests like, oh, maybe you should do it this way? Uh, when, well, first of all, does that ever happen? Oh, often, daily. And when it does happen, how do, what do you do? You know, we're, we're very accommodating because we live in a world now with a ton of dietary restrictions, whether they be um, biological or chosen, and we respect that. So when people do come in with requests, we do our best to accommodate them without compromising the integrity of the dish. Do you ever get one, though, where you kind of go, oh, that's actually a really good idea? Yeah, we actually do. You know, we, we take input from, from everyone. Uh, one of the dishes on our menu right now is a burger with flavors of uh, pho, the Vietnamese soup. And that actually came from a suggestion from one of our uh, uh, suppliers. Wow. He came in, had the burger, and it said it kind of reminded him of this. So we, the next version, we transitioned to that version. So Heighten, heighten the, the the senses, so to yeah. speak, and, and yeah. bring uh, more flavors like that. What's the biggest challenge in, in terms of staying relevant? Uh, you know, I, I, I was an Earl's guy for a long time, and there were a couple things that, that always stood out for me, and I've tried to bring it to most aspects of my life, and this idea that if you're not changing, you're standing still, and so you always have to be evolving. And just meeting and and creating an expectation and but it, but sur- surpassing it as often as possible. Yeah, I think I think the biggest challenge is changing at a pace that's good enough to keep your staff motivated, but not so fast that you're alienating your diners. Because people come to a restaurant and they expect a certain thing. If they have a favorite dish and they come back and it's changed, there's going to be disappointments. So you want to change at a pace that's going to try to make everyone happy, and that's very challenging. So, Dan, uh, before we let you go here, mm-hmm. this event, once again, coming up, Winnipeg, September 26th at 90, mm-hmm. Annabella. Uh, I guess, what's the, what is the takeaway that you're hoping people will come to this event and when they leave, what are you, what are you, what's the sense and the feeling that you want them to walk out of with? I just want people to learn a bit more about the prairie food scene and creative uh, industry in general. So when you sit down for the dinner, you know, you're going to interact with some artwork that was made in, in Winnipeg and you have some food that was designed by chefs from all across the prairies. And I just think that I think Canadians in general are very modest and not always so proud of where they live in their cities. You know, we're not like Americans. We don't hang flags everywhere when we don't like sing our own praises. So the Prairie Grid is just meant to make prairie people feel special about where they're from. All right, Dan Clapson, he is the organizer of the Prairie Grid Dinner Series, joining us live on 680 CJOB from Calgary. And in studio, we have Chef Chris Gamma from the Exchange District Hotspot, Clementine. Again, this event in Winnipeg, September 26th at 90, Annabella. You can get tickets at eatnorth.com. They are $145 plus tax. It's a five-course tasting menu envisioned by the five chefs on tour for this really cool-sounding project. Gentlemen, thank you very much for this. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.